Welcome to the Smiling Boys Podcast. This is a podcast that explores a public health approach to improving the mental health of black boys while challenging the negative stereotypes often associated with this demographic in the society. This is a happiness research-informed podcast themed on the eight pillars of happiness explored on my research trip to the top five happiest countries in the world. Now, isn't that cool? Hello and welcome to another episode of the Smiling Boys podcast. On this episode today, we're going to be exploring another pillar of happiness, which is the freedom pillar. But more specifically today, we're going to be delving into a psychological theory around the idea of the fragments itself. And this is going to be explored through an exercise which was uh, created by Ashanti Branch to explore how the idea of wearing masks really... uh, fit into this concept of freedom or inability to express authentically who we want to be in particular parts of our lives. So again, kind of delving in from some excerpts from some research, the World Happiness Reports 2012 highlights that no people can truly be happy if they do not feel that they are choosing the course of their own life. So that's uh, an excerpt from the World Happiness Reports of 2012. The fragment itself is defined in essence as the compartmentalization of elements of self leading to often contrasting versions of ourselves on display in various spaces we occupy within our lives. And that's something that's really interesting and even very pertinently metaphorical in this current post-COVID times where we actually adorn physical masks. So I guess it could give a bit of a context to really try to understand what we might be exploring in this idea of not a physical mask, but actually a mask that psychologically we are conditioned to kind of wear, especially boys. And we're going to explore that in greater detail as the episode kind of progresses. So as the psychological theory explores the idea that we compartmentalize the versions of ourselves that we feel safe to show in different elements of our lives. So therefore, who we are perhaps at home might be different to who we are when we are in school versus who we are when we are in particular friendships and who we are perhaps online and social media kind of avatar of ourselves. So it's really interesting, especially when we think about young people, especially young boys, um, understanding what we explored in previous episodes around the ways in which boys are socialized and emotional literacy is one of the latest things for young boys to develop in terms of the ways in which they are parented and the ways in which they're given care. It then gives much more context to the uh, ways in which as young boys, it becomes very difficult to be able to shorten the gap between a version that they show in one part of their lives to another version they show in another part of their lives. So that's something that's really fascinating and interesting to really explore when we delve into this kind of theme in greater detail. So the theory also explores the fact that the wider the gap, the bigger the chances of developing into more complex mental disorders like dissociative identity disorders, bipolar, multi-personality disorders, and so forth. Also, by exploring the fact that boys are much more likely in comparison to girls to be diagnosed with ADHD and a lot of other uh, behavioral disorders, which again kind of feeds into this theory and this idea as to how boys are socialized, which then makes the fragment itself become a much more possible reality uh, for boys in the various social groups in which they occupy. So I'm going to start off by playing you guys an audio of a series of boys exploring or reading the versions of their masks that they created. So the simple exercise, as I said, which was created by Shanti Branch, uh, who's a a black educator um, in Oakland. And he created this exercise where, you know, he designs a, a mask and he gives it to young people and gets them to write the versions 
that people see when they step into the world in any kind of setting that they are in. And then he asked them to also write on the back of the mask what it is that they don't show people. So this is a an exercise that I then kind of use in a lot of my sessions around allowing young boys to explore and express and to actually hear what other young people that sit around them in class also explore in their own identity in terms of the versions they show and the versions that they actually don't show to uh, people around them. So I'm going to play you guys an audio clip of a bunch of young boys just reading out what's on their masks in the front and also what's on the back. Now we shall reconvene and explore themes around that. Confident, dumb, serious, funny, tough. Um, yeah. And on the back, bit you don't show. Anger, emotion, smart. Gary, I show people that I'm quiet, fearless, and I've lost the plot. And on the back, I'm smart, observant, and caring. And you don't show people that. I show people that uh, I'm funny. Uh, Happy, uh, don't care, serious, confident, tough, and I like like to um, make people think that I'm a bit dumb. Yeah, and and uh, what people don't see is um, a bit introverted, mm -hmm. uh, smart, angry, stressed, and successful. So on the so front of you, mask what bit do you show? So I show people that I'm friendly, smart, funny, and easy to talk to. And on the other side, the bit you don't show? Hi. I'm scared. I had my strength. I'm upset. Great. Thank you for sharing that. So it's really interesting to listen to a lot of these young boys uh, give accounts of the versions of the masks that they show people who are in their everyday lives and versus the version that they don't show the characteristics and the elements of themselves that they choose to consciously, in some cases, actually withhold with some young people specifically stating that I like to make people think that I am dumb. And it's really interesting to start to think about what is the conscious thought process that allows a young person to divide themselves in such a way or us as people that allows us to adorn a mask and show a version of ourselves to the world and therefore reserve a different version to a different group of people to a different setting in which we exist in. And that again is, uh, as I highlighted, is the psychological theory of the fragmented self, which a lot of us do on a very subconscious level. And in some cases, we do that on a conscious level and ultimately stems from the idea of survival. The idea that when we've been exposed to various elements of trauma in our lives or various elements of shame and various uh, things that have happened in our everyday lives that show us that actually showing this version of yourself to this group of people or to this place that you exist within would bring you more pain, would bring you more harm, would bring you more destruction as a mechanism to allow yourself to survive, to be able to progress in the world that you're in so that you don't become extinct. Ultimately, you choose to put that section of yourself in a particular compartment and show the other version, which is perhaps more valued or much more celebrated in the world in which you exist in. And ultimately, this becomes the regular norm for most of us where we just shift and move versions of ourselves to different places where we feel they, they are safely received. And it's a really interesting thing when you start to think about that from a young person's perspective, and especially young boys in particular, understanding the fact that young boys naturally do not develop the emotional literacy until very late. They're not given the expressive abilities to be their authentic selves in most places, either through the ways in which their parents said, either through the ways in which their friendships are socialized 
in the fact that they are not allowed to say in some cases that they are feeling scared right because in that environment or in that friendship somebody might laugh at them and say hey bro you're moist why are you scared fam come on gonna back it or what and all of a sudden he cannot explore to this young boy that actually i'm scared i can't back it you know like i just i'm not on it like that and ultimately the kind of punishment that comes to that young boy from being able to voice out who they really authentically are who's this guy that's not really about beef he's not really trying to back nothing he's just trying to go home and play on his ps4 but ultimately that version of himself is not safe in that environment to back it. So that's something that's really interesting hearing a lot of these young boys kind of explore very deep concepts of fragmented selves and the fact that in some cases these young boys talk about how they don't show that they're angry, they don't show that they are sad, that they are disappointed and all these other things which are complex emotions that as human beings we all have the license to experience and to exhibit but more so within the ways in which the limited confines of masculinity allows boys to only show particular emotions and therefore you know when they're angry instead of actually exploring that and expressing that version of themselves maybe they act out in a in a much more uh negatively violent way and it's also really interesting to really start to think about the fact that all the responses that were given were very clear that there was a dissonance in those two sides of themselves and the versions that they show and the versions that they keep uh, or they don't show as many people and actually the next follow-up question was asking and why do they think that's the case and a lot of them just like no it's just you know that yeah that people just don't want to see that you know and that's something stems from a uh programmed uh validation of somehow at some point down the line that young person has decided to show this version to some people and they didn't want to see that whatever that might have looked like to that young person they just didn't want to see that so that reaffirmed to him that actually this version of myself i need to keep it away from everybody i need to keep it away from being vilified and bringing me pain because actually i don't want to consistently be putting myself in a position where pain becomes a norm to me and that's ultimately uh, again a survival survival mechanism and then when we start to think about that and how that really starts to impact the way that boys grow up into men and how that inevitably reflects in the numbers of men who are sectioned in mental health uh, provisions, uh, especially black men in that regard, the amounts of boys that end up being diagnosed with ADHD and bipolar and DID, which is the dissociative identity disorders. So it really starts to kind of bring in a torch light. So it really starts to kind of shed a light into what we then see in the manifestations of boyhood and manhood in our society. Because when you start to think about the fact that 95 of the prison population are men and also when we start to think about the fact that suicide rates are higher amongst men of black african caribbean origin and middle-aged black african caribbean men as well so it starts to make you understand that you know there are so many ways in which this fragmented self starts to impact us because the gap between the version that we show the world and the version that we don't show the wider that gap is the more the likelihood for a lot of these psychological and mental disorders to develop and therefore even negative behaviors start to fill into those gaps because the wider they are the less you're likely to show the version of who you think you authentically are to the rest of the world the more that impacts your psychological kind of uh, cognitive development it impacts the ways in which you engage in your friendships and your relationships and ultimately could lead to a lot of dangerous behaviors so that's something that's again really interesting to really understand when we start to think about how we you know parent boys how we police boys how we provide conducive environments for boys to really authentically grow up to understand 
understand that the versions of themselves that they ultimately feel is authentic can be uh, valued in a society, can be accepted without derision, can be championed. And ultimately, you know, we all play a part in trying to create a space and environment that is conducive for this version of masculinity and, and boyhood to be thriving. So understanding the fact that 15.1% of boys diagnosed with ADHD compared to 6.7% of girls based on a 2011 data from the National Survey of Children's Health. So the normal traumatization of boys in order to indoctrinate them into patriarchy is a part of the pain that we subject them to, uh, to allow them to understand that actually, if you are to succeed in this world, that is built by patriarchy you need to learn to not feel this pain and therefore a big part of doing that is actually your brain starts to compartmentalize and think okay i'm not going to show this part to this version of people because i know it's going to bring me pain subsequently it becomes a trained pattern of behavior which your brain registers and goes to as a default so i think uh one of the things to really explore when we think about how can we start to create an environment that becomes conducive for boys to be less this way and for us as men to grow up into a world where we become less fragmented in ourselves um, some of the things to really explore are you know creating environments that are conducive for boys and men to be wholesome and when we talk about wholesome we're talking about all versions of ourselves right whatever it is that that might be be it a boy who wants to show this version of sadness to his friendships or to show that he's scared or to show that you know he's sad and he's crying or to show his parents that actually he loves them to hug him and to affirm him to say that he's you know worthy and his love like all these elements which again when you think about the ways in which boys are historically parented these are not things that for most young boys that I either come in contact with or the young boy that I was myself, these things were not things that were readily championed or were not things that were supported or created an environment where these things were allowed to thrive. So that's again an onus that we need to take responsibility for in terms of how we raise, how we teach, how we parent and how we friend uh, boys to allow them to be authentically their own version of who they think they they are and whether or not that aligns with who we believe they can be or they should be based on our culture our religion our own predefined ideas we need to be able to step away and allow these boys the freedom to be that because ultimately the closer the gap between the version that they show the rest of the world and the version that they show the people that they're closely uh, connected to then the less likely there are to be any developments of uh, mental disorders or behavioral disorders or other kinds of negative trajectories that we see in boyhood around the ideas of violence, around the ideas of suicide and other mental health challenges as well. Another thing is modeling healthy versions of wholeness as a parent or as a caregiver or as a friend or as a role model in the house or in proximity to young people, especially young boys, because that's the most important thing. If they see that their mother or their father or their uncle, their, their guardian shows this version to them in the household, but then they see them outside and they're completely different people. They speak differently. They talk differently. They act differently. They show a different version of themselves than the child sees at home. All of a sudden, their brain is thinking, what's happening there? I see dad say this when he's at home, but when he's outside, he's not this version of himself. So ultimately, what they see modeled to them is actually, you shouldn't be authentically yourself in every way that you are. You need to be this version here and be this version here. On top of that, we need to also talk about the racial disparities that bring about the necessity
necessity for these code switching that brings about the necessity for this fragmented self because as people of color as black uh, men and black boys and black people in the world we know that there's versions of ourselves that are demonized when we step out of the um, close proximity of the people that we love where we don't have to preface anything we say with the fact that oh, I'm not violent I'm not going to kill you or I'm not going to steal on this store we don't have to preface any of our behaviors with any of those ideas but when we step into the world all of a sudden those versions become a threat as little as just being in the skin that you're in alone is a threat so therefore anything that we have to do to make that much more palatable anything we have to do to allow that to be less threatening to the white populace and the society as a whole is what we are taught to do so therefore by default you know the environments that we grew up in the environments that black boys grow up in the environment that black girls grow up in makes it almost impossible for the fragmented self to not develop because when they are home the ways in which they wear their hair the ways in which they make jokes the ways in which they engage and socialize in the school environment they are seen to be aggressive for the same thing in the school environment they are seen to be promiscuous because their uniform fits their body in a particular way they are seen to be unkempt or unprofessional in places of corporate work because the ways in which they wear the authentic versions of themselves are not accepted or palatable in those spaces. So that's another thing to really think about from a societal perspective, what we create as systems that actually also allow for the fragmented self to develop much more readily in groups of people of color, black people particularly, and how that really sends a trajectory of more increased likelihood for mental health disorders to be diagnosed in black people and specifically black men and how that really is impacted in the mental health act uh, detention uh, rates for black men as well so that's something that's really interesting to start to think about on a micro and also on a macro scale in terms of the society that we are building for young boys to thrive and hopefully you know with all the things that's happening in the world and how so many systems should be and are being called to be abolished and redesigned and remodeled that hopefully this is part of that change this is part of that desire to rebuild a system and systems that actually allow for much more positive thriving systems for people of color and black boys to thrive in a positive way. Another thing is to, to begin to raise boys with emotional care, to show again the love that you want them to model themselves. So by being an example of that and the ways in which you treat the young boys, by providing space to ask them how they're feeling, to giving them the language to be able to articulate and making them understand that it's okay to feel this way and it's okay to feel that way and to, to express that in an emotional manner, whatever that might be to that young boy, to give them the permission from a very young age to do that and that's really important specifically for caregivers and older siblings and parents and, and people like that who are, have proximity to young boys in the ways in which they are raised. Another thing is again to champion self-expression. I think that's really evident but it's really important you know to be able to allow boys to be authentically themselves you know and that's something that I think I speak about a lot and it's something that you know in my own kind of personal upbringing is still a constant challenge in that you know certain ways in which I express myself even to the people that are closest to me my mother you know, every now and again, she might say, oh, I don't like the fact that you wear that. And, you know, I don't, I don't think you should wear this. I don't think you should wear that. And, you know, from a young age, what that does to a young boy in terms of allowing him to, to identify or to see that this version of yourself is not what is accepted by this person. And therefore being forced to, to rethink what that version that you should be showing the world so that you don't have to consistently face somebody who's somewhat affected by the way in which you choose to express yourself. And that's something that I think is really important in terms of how we, you know, raise boys to get them to, to feel totally comfortable in how 
how they choose to express and, and show who they authentically want to be. And I think that's really, really, really important. I cannot overstate that enough because an incident you know, happened this week. I shared that with a group of men that I am in a WhatsApp group with around just the ways in which something I wore my mother was unhappy about. And some men in that group spoke about similar experiences, you know, in their childhood, how they wanted to dress a particular way, or even they, they bought a gift for a friend and it was a pink thing. And the father or the mother decided to send that back saying, that's not what you get a boy or, you know, wanted to grow their hair out. And, you know, the father saying that was something that was gay and he shouldn't do that. And how all these other ideas that really serve as a policing tool for the patriarchal identity of what masculinity should be and how a lot of us, you know, no matter how much we we don't even think about it on a conscious level, when situations like what happened in my case happened and I shared that story with other men on the group, how everybody started to share their own stories and their own experiences about how similar things happened to them and actually they've not really maybe challenged those people that are so close to them in the ways in which I did with my mother in that situation. But yeah, it's, it's really important and really a very powerful element in terms of actually trying to negate a lot of the other challenges that young boys face if especially they have to deal with that with people who are the closest to them in their everyday lives. Another thing is to provide a platform for boys to develop emotional literacy and that's something that especially in the project that I deliver with the Smiling Boys Project I create a box, a, a mood box which allows the young boys to start to express and explore how they really feel. Not the version that they want to tell anybody else but the version that is authentically how they feel and you know not the version that they just tell everybody else but the version that they really feel like they are not able to tell anybody else I encourage them to write that out because I'm not going to read it just for them to get into the habit of actually articulating how they feel and being able to be true to themselves about what it is they feel without actually being judged and slowly when they get into that habit of actually articulating and talking about it then the next stages they will feel much more comfortable to start to tell me or tell whoever it is about it um, because they start to identify it much quicker and that's something that's really important especially when we think about raising boys I'm going to end on this note to get you to think about this exercise very simple how you can create this exercise in your own friendships in your partnerships in your you know relationship with your children with your cousins with your little brothers parents or whoever you know just draw a mask whatever kind of mask it could be that the young person or you want to draw you know um and then get them to write how they feel like they are perceived or how they show the world they should be perceived on one side of the mask. So the version that people see every time they step out into any environment and then ask them to write the version on the back that they don't show people. And then you ball that up into a ball and throw that across the room and get random people to pick up the the mask and to read what's on the front and read what's on the back and discuss why there is a disparity between both and really start to explore how you can create space that allows for those versions of, of each other on both sides to actually become a version that they show more readily to everybody else. Hopefully that was something that really sparked some thinking in our minds around how we raise boys, how we police boys, and how we ultimately exist as boys and men in a society and how hopefully this can serve as a tool to allow us to reconnect with the versions of ourselves that might be fragmented and how we can close that gap and narrow that gap much more efficiently in a bid to build a much more wholesome boy and man and to repair a lot of the traumatic damages that have already existed and already manifested in the ways in which we engage in the society. So thank you guys so much. Hopefully today's episode was something that really strikes a chord within you and empowers you with tools to be able to make positive changes. See you guys on the next episode. Much peace and love.